All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. Again, this is Andrew flying solo. We are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, and today we are excited to have with us the current owner of the OHL's Oshawa Generals and Rock Developments, Rocco Tulio. Is that how you pronounce it, Rocco? Yes, that's correct. Perfect. Well, Rocco, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. And it's also first for the Lindroth Hockey Podcast to have an owner of a team, whether it's juniors or pro, um, to come on the show. So we thank you today. So taking us back from the beginning, where did your love of hockey stem from and how old were you at the time? I've always loved hockey. I mean, I, I played it, never played it at a high level, but um, back when we were playing, there was, it was just AAA. There was no AA and stuff like that, or junior B or junior C. It was just basically AAA and then the entire hockey league. So I've always had a passion of it. I loved it. I played it as a kid. And like I said, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, as talented enough to go to the next level, but uh, I just loved everything about the game, fell in love with it. And it's always been uh, something that I always cherish and, uh, you know, fortunate to be part of. Yeah. So you're a Windsor uh, native. And of course that's where, um, you know, as an American boy, you know, hockey wasn't drilled into our heads so young, but I imagine it was, when you were younger as well. So what was the hockey like in Windsor in that area? Cause now it's starting to, I mean, it's, it's been producing tons of NHLs since the start. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, you know, there's been a lot of players coming out of our Windsor. I mean, you know, it's been uh, Probert, you know, uh, lived, you know, and born and raised here. You know, you got Warren Reichel, Bob Bogner, um, You got Aaron Eckblad uh, recently, you know, um, Maja was just drafted. Ty Tulio, who's my son, is with Ed, with the Oilers, was drafted by the Oilers. So um, Kirby Reichel, I mean, the list goes on. You know, we, you know, uh, John Tucker going back way back when. So there's been a lot of players that have uh, been born and raised here that have that have been drafted and uh, played in the NHL. So, you know, it's kind of a little gem, hidden gem, to be honest with him. So did you ever have aspirations of getting into hockey? not foreshadowing you as an owner now, but as a coach, player, anything like that? I coached, uh, you know, I coached Ty all the way up pretty much. And I love that component of it. But uh, when he moved on, it was, you know, it was time for me to move on also. And uh, so I don't have any aspirations to coach at, at a higher level. Um, that's way too technical for me and too much time. I mean, you know, my development business is, is my you know, bread and butter. And then, you know, obviously owning the generals takes a lot of time now because it's a full-time business. So that, that's enough for me at this, at, the, at my stage of my life. And, you know, it still gives me the flexibility to enjoy my kids and my family time. Yeah. And so before we get into to everything uh, that we want to talk about today, hockey wise, I want you to help us piece the story together, Rocco, just a little bit. It was, it was, it's, a, it's kind of hard to find information of you online and kind of where your story's at. So what I did see is, is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, you did join the executive staff of the Oshawa Generals in 2007, correct? That's correct. And then from what point did you become the owner? How did that kind of fall into play? That, that so I bought the team in 2007. So okay. I bought 50% of it um, in 2007. And then in uh, 2016, I bought, you know, the – basically I'm 94% owner now. Uh, Adam Graves is still a 2% partner with me, childhood friends, 2%. And then our GM and head scout own 1%. So, um, you know, I've always been an, you know, when I bought the team, I was always an owner and it just 
you know, and then I end up buying uh, the majority of it out over the years. So it took us quite a bit of time to, to change the culture and, um, you know, over the years, you know, it just wasn't run properly and didn't have the right people in place. So, you know, that was difficult first four or five years. And then after that, you know, we, you know, everybody understood the policies and, and what we wanted to and, and the culture that we wanted to create more of a family atmosphere and, uh, you know, taking care of these players and giving them the resources that they need to succeed. And, on the same token, making sure they're held accountable for, you know, how they act on and off the ice. So um, it's been, a, it's been, you know, I've been in the league 16 years and I loved every minute of it. Meet great families, great kids, and still keep in touch with a lot of them. You know, Jake J- Tavares was there, um, Anthony Sorelli, Michael Del Cole, Scotty Lawton, Boone Jenner. I mean, Michael Del Zotto, the list goes on and on. So, you know, we continue maintaining good relationships with those people. And, you know, we've, we've turned the ship around and, you know, we're back to being an iconic brand in the Canadian hockey league. Yeah. And so why the Oshawa generals? I would have probably expected the Windsor Spitfires, but of course not everybody has, uh, you know, executive team available or position or, or ownership. Um, why the no, Oshawa? that's a great question. Um, we tried at the time and, and at the time Bob Bogner and Warren Reichel <clears throat> bought the Spitfires and I was kind of late to the dance. So, you know, um, we talked with Plymouth at the time as the Plymouth Whalers and, you know, that wasn't a right fit uh, for me. And then, um, you know, obviously Kitchener Rangers is privately owned. They're not for sale. So, and then I've got a call from a friend basically saying, I reached out to him and he gave me, the, you know, the direction said the Oshawa Generals may be available. And they were having some financial difficulties back in 20, 2006 or seven. And so the timing was just right. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was like a dream come true because obviously owning the generals is like, you know, their reputation has been around for 86 years now and counting. And, you know, they're one of the most storied franchises in the Canadian Hockey League. So to be able to have an opportunity to purchase them was a no brainer for me. And so when you first joined, you did mention mm-hmm. that you had to change a lot of the culture, a lot of things that uh, weren't right with just within the organization. What was the toughest challenge getting your team to where you wanted to be within those next few years? Well, there's a lot. We, there's some minorities there from way back when. So, you know, they own 14%, had to take care of all of them and making sure they were taken care of. So that took a couple of years. You know, about the existing owner, we just didn't share the same values and visions and of how hockey should be run. So bought him out. And then uh, we brought in Adam Graves and Pete DeBoer to kind of create some instant stability and credibility because, you know, I, I'm a developer by nature. And even though I'm passionate about hockey, you know, in order to create instant credibility, you got to surround yourself with people that have been there and have a good reputation. So I brought those two in and, you know, they're dear friends of mine. Pete's, you know, the coach of the Dallas Stars now, and he's no longer involved, but, you know, we still talk to him on a regular basis and uh, Gravy, Gravy's still involved. And, uh, but the, you know, the culture was, I don't know, it was kind of, uh, it wasn't great. Um, you know, it was more of a country club, to be honest with you, from our president to our GM and coach. And, you know, there was, there was certainly some division there between the owner, the existing owner and, and, um, I guess the employees, which was, I find ironic, right? So the tail was wagging the dog there for a while. And I just came in and, you know, like I said, you know, you, you watch, you listen and, and then you realize who's who shares the same values as what we wanted. And uh, we, we brought those people in and got rid of the ones that didn't. And so it's, it was a hard thing because you come in and you know, you're a new guy from out of town and 
you want to be sensitive to what you know the fans want and all that and they want a winning hard hardworking winning team and that shares good values right and that are that give back and grassroots and do you know there's a lot of little things to the community and and all that so um, we did that and we won in 2015, won an OHL championship and a Memorial Cup. And that's very difficult to do. And um, we did it the old fashioned way. We, you know, we earned it through hard work and, and scouting and drafting properly and making the right trades. And obviously DJ Smith was our coach there. And, you know, he was a big, it was instrumental in, in our success, but uh, you know, it was a concerted effort, but again, you surround yourself with good people that have good character. Usually the things happen. So I know that you're a very busy guy. I assume as you purchased the team, are you still owning and running rock developments? Yeah. Oops. Where did I go? Uh, yes. Yeah. Let me go back here. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. So yeah, we, I still, that, that's my, that's my major company. Like basically rock development is the land development company. So that takes up the majority of my time and affords me the opportunity to, you know, to own the hockey team and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, that's, you know, we're in a busy time. We've been fortunate to be busy, you know, since inception. So absolutely. Well, and so as a Bruins fan, you can see the hat clearly. You know, the, the fans are always in turmoil and talk a lot about how the owners, the Jacobs are, are not involved, right? And they talk about the involvement of the owners and how it could be beneficial, how it may not be as beneficial. Whether that's true or not, Rocco is not important, but I, I want to ask you, what is the importance of the owner being involved with the team or is it better to be somewhat involved, let the coach take care of it? What, what do you believe? I don't know. My philosophy is different. I mean, it's an active business for me, so I'm involved in all the decision makings. I mean, you know, uh, nothing goes happens without it coming across my desk. So we make a trade, you know, they tell me, you know, the players we want to trade, who's, you know, on the pros and cons. If I know the player, I'll provide my feedback or they. I, I let people do their job, but on the same token, I also provide input. Um, it's not like it used to be, you know, 20 years ago where, you know, a bunch of doctors and lawyers own these hockey teams and, you know, it's, it's an expensive business to run and, and uh, there's a lot of responsibility and uh, there's certain expectations that we have to meet and achieve and for our fans. And so um, I don't think, people that are going to be investing in hockey teams in the national hockey league that are spending 700 to a billion dollars to buy a team are going to be, are not going to be involved. That's not happening. Okay. These owners are, are, are involved because they've had success by making decisions and being involved in their other businesses. And owning a hockey team is no different than any other business. I mean, it's just, you know, there's more people involved. Um, same thing with the OHL. These franchises are, you know, are have increased in value, but you know, there's so many moving parts now. It's not like it used to be. This is, you know, we're basically a mini NHL team on wheels. So um, I've had success in other businesses and, and I try to bring those key components of success to, to the hockey side and it's worked so far. And so, you know, as owners, when you're, when you've had success, you know, you try to replicate the formula in other businesses and usually it does work. So. Awesome. So I, I am curious, what is the relationship like between the owner, the GM or the head coach? Because I know that now we're talking uh, junior hockey. And so how, how involved are you with coach slash GM, assistant coaches? Are you talking to them all the time? Oh, yeah. Tell them maybe what you yeah, need. No, 100%. 100%. Uh, talk to my GM probably three times a week. 
just whether even on the off season, just say what's going on. What are we doing? I mean, we talk to our marketing people. I want to know, you know, what we're selling in marketing, talk to our season ticket people. You know, there's always something involved. There's always something going on and they run ideas by me. I run it by them uh, during the season. Probably talk to our coaches after every game for sure. Um, I would say probably five out of the seven days we're talking to the coaches, we're watching practice, we're talking to the GM, you know, we're evaluating other teams, uh, you know, seeing where our weaknesses are, what our strengths are, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? We always want to be better and we challenge ourselves to be better every day. So I am curious, um, as, as a business owner myself, a 50-50 business owner, how do you deal with the, now that you got, I, I want people to realize too, and remember you are still very heavily involved with rock development. So as a business owner, especially for you, you're doing so many things at once. How did you handle all the different personalities in the organization, especially when you first came on? And I know it was kind of tough to set the culture straight, but I imagine communication was such a big, big thing. It is. Everything's a test, right? I mean, you, you have meetings with people and you, you evaluate, you're evaluating them on an, on an ongoing basis and everything's a test and, you know, some fail the test and some pass with flying colors and the ones that share the same values, but it's not it, saying something is one thing, doing it is another, right? So, you know, I, I'm not a guy that believes in lip service. I don't want to hear how good you are. Show me how good you are, right? Tell me through your actions. So that goes a long way. And that usually steers me in the direction of, of whether somebody's a keeper or whether we move on and, and make changes. So that's been the philosophy everywhere. And, you know, it's a philosophy I live by at the end of the day, put your money where your mouth is. So during the hiring process, then let's say head coach, GM, those, those big, big dog positions, what are you looking for in a coach or a GM for your organization? We want a coach. Uh, we want a coach, obviously that's, that's good with kids because these are kids and can develop players. Okay. And understand structure in the game of hockey, the minutiae parts of the game and be able to adjust when we're playing in games. If, if a team is coming at us and we're not having a great night, being able to go in between periods and adjust our structure. So that way we can correct and be competitive uh, that night. Um, you know, somebody that's, you know, we probably want somebody with a little bit of bite. You know, we want somebody that doesn't, we don't want a coach that's going to be the, their friends, but we want somebody that's loving and caring at the same token, no different than your dad, right? Sometimes you got to get, give your kids tough love for making poor decisions and, 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 and hold them accountable. It's the same thing in, in hockey, right? I mean, you normally give kids, you know, one or two warnings and saying, you know, for instance, stop turning the puck over at the lines, right? And if person player continues to turn over pucks, then, you know, what's the only thing you got to hold them accountable for? Take away a shift here or there and and then build them back up and show that you care and then send them back out and teach them, right? So teaching is a big, big component. But in today's society, a coach has to be a teacher, you know, a psychologist, um, you know, and a firefighter because, you know, we got to keep these kids on the straight and narrow and focused. And, we, you know, sometimes they're going to have some off days, right? Whether it's girlfriends or whether it's school or whether it's parent pressure, peer pressure, you know, social media, there's so many things coming at these kids at the end of the day. We have to figure out what is triggering, what is the reason that they had an off day? Are they staying up till two in the morning playing Xbox and on their phone and, you know, they didn't get enough rest. So there's so much, so many more moving parts than there was 15 years ago, but the game is so much better 
so much cleaner, it's so much healthier than it was 20 years ago. And as it evolves and, you know, we learn from different, you know, different aspects of life and all these, you know, then the game continues to evolve and continues to be better. And these players are becoming more mature and they're learning that whatever they do off the ice is also a reflection of what they do on the ice. And so with that being said, I imagine that's also another part, uh, another tough job about your part is trying to keep these kids on a straight arrow, especially when they're at that age where, you know, us boys, we like to do dumb stuff at that age. So do you get involved with the parents very much? Or do you allow kind of the coaches to handle that? Aspect? Yeah, I don't get involved. Yeah, we really don't get involved with parents. I mean, parents are, you know, very rarely are we getting involved with parents. Mostly it's the parents will go through the agent. The agent will go through the GM and it'll be dealt accordingly that way. But yeah, I mean, if a player makes a poor decision away from the rink, they're held accountable. We're going to hold them accountable. It could be they, you know, sit out. Uh, it could be they miss some shifts. It could be they sit out a game, you know. So depending, you know, school is very, very important for us. You know, if you're acting up in school and you're not achieving marks, you know, then, you know, you have to maintain certain marks. And at the end of the day, if you're a 60 student, I'm not going to make you an 80 student, but you got to maintain 60%. If you're a 90 student, then you got to maintain those 90s because that's the expectation. You can't come in and say, you know, I'm going to go drop to a 70. No, that's not acceptable. You got to maintain the marks that you came in with. And if you don't, then you're held accountable. And it's, it's usually you're sitting in the stands or you're, you know, you're, you're missing some ice time. And I assume you never deal with agents, correct? Is that normally just the GM or do you have to do it? Uh, no, I mean, listen, I've been in hockey a long time. So I know all these agents now we've become friends. And so we've got relationships with them. I mean, you know, Roger, our GM handles the majority of stuff, but if it gets to be where, you know, he can't make decisions on something, then, you know, then I'm brought in uh, in a certain situation. Or if a, a GM is frustrated with maybe dealing with Raj on something and, you know, and I need to, I need to step in, I will. But for the most part, GMs deal with the agents. I mean, I've got relationships with them. So, you know, I, I'm involved too. To a certain so does it ever make a difference whether it, uh, a player is playing on the team or, or committed as, as a number one draft pick? Is there... I guess the way I'm trying to ask is there a way that you try and approach certain players or certain situations when they're, let's say, of higher draft stature compared no. to other you treat them all the same? No. I don't really care whether you're a first rounder or 15th rounder. The bottom line is you got to be a good human being. And um, I'm not here to be a baby. We're not here to be babysitters. We're going to give you all the resources and tools to, to, to succeed. Um, and we're going to eliminate all the excuses and the rest is up to them. So, no, I don't care. If you're listen, if the fifth rounder is outperforming the first rounder, he's playing. You're gonna play more. That's just the simple the way it is. It's up to the it's up to the first rounder. At the end of the day, yeah, he comes in with higher expectations, but we don't treat him any differently in the sense of, you know, um, you know, your expectations on off the ice are the exact same as the guy who was picked 15. One thing I've learned being an owner of anything of, of a business is that it's, it's incredibly stressful, and so you're constantly going nonstop. So for you, what is the biggest misconception about your job? People must just think that, you know, you're living the life, but it's always, it's always much harder than it is, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, people think gold, you know, they think gold shifts on people's lawns, right? I mean, well, it doesn't happen. It's, it's hard work. It's like anything else. I mean, you know, you have to work hard. And usually if you work harder than, than your, your competitor, success will usually follow. So I love to work hard. I love what I do. And I don't consider my development business work. I, I can, I've got, you know, I built a relationship with a lot of people over the last 
26 years, 27 years. So the rep, the formula works and uh, I enjoy what I do. Same thing in hockey. You know, we built a relationship now with a lot of people. We, you know, our name is out there. We're reputable. People understand, you know, you, you get drafted for the Oscar, from the Oscar general to the Oscar generals or you get hired by the Oscar generals. It shows pretty good on a resume. Uh, so, so it's hard work. There's no, no easy way about it nobody's you know whether you're the owner of the kinks and frontenacs or the flint firebirds or the Oshawa generals you got to work hard and usually the team that works the hardest usually has the most success on and off the ice so obviously you need a uh, six successful team you want a team that's winning that's going to be going and winning championships but as the owner what are the other bigger stresses of the job you have to worry about sales concessions like you said promotional nights what is the biggest stress out of all of it well, you got to make sure I stay on top of my employees. I, I challenge them to be better every day. And uh, so, you know, there's certain benchmarks they have to achieve. You know, we expect certain season ticket holders, season ticket sales for season starts. Um, and if not, I want to know why. And, you know, it's not a good enough excuse. And we challenge them to be better, right? Find ways to think out of the box to attract, you know, uh, more fans. Same thing with marketing. What are we doing? What do we need to do better? And, and again, challenge them to be better and thinking out of the box and giving that, providing them with the resources that they need to, to push the boundaries and be better. So we're involved in everything. I mean, but you hire good people for a reason. You know, I usually get my weekly updates. If I don't like something in the weekly updates, then I, then I summons a call. If everything's status quo and everything is good and it's going according to plan, then I let them do their job. You got to let them do their job. So I know that whenever you had first uh, became um, on the executive team in 2007, you had said that there was a lot of work to do with the culture and fixing everything. Once you guys kind of finally started getting on a, on a clear path there and kind of where you wanted to be with, with the team, was being an owner of the junior team what you expected it to be at all? I think when we came in, it was a lot more work than we expected because of, you know, I mean – it's hard firing people, right? And and change is hard for people to accept. But I think when we made those changes and over time people saw that those changes were were good changes and they saw that our philosophy was 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 good and our values were good and that it showed up on the ice and we had success, then people trust you, right? And trust is earned over time through your actions. So by what we did, eventually we earned the trust. But it took us probably till we won a Memorial Cup. And now you know, and now, you know, do we get, you get the odd, odd guy that, or person that's, you know, you know, no matter what you do is never going to be nothing. Yeah, you get that. But the majority of our fans are good. They understand they're educated and they get it. And, uh, you know, I say, you know, Asha has probably is one of the most intelligence, intelligent fans and up to, up to speed fans in, in the Canadian hockey. They are on it. So what has been your favorite memories as the team owner so far? I know you guys have won some championships and everything, but out of, out of everything, what has been kind of your crowning moment, I guess I could say? Well, I think there's a couple of them. Uh, you know, obviously winning an OHL champion Memorial Cup is obviously, you know, so difficult to do. I would say, you know, having Ty, our son, drafted um, to Oshawa in the first round and, you know, uh, watching him over the three out of the four years we had COVID shut down there and watching him evolve and, and progress and, and get better every year and then get drafted, you know, to the NHL. I think those are probably the two biggest, greatest memories that I'll cherish for forever. Right. So, um, you know, those are pretty special. 
Yeah. And so I did also that kind of in lieu of what I wanted to ask next is talk to us about your son. I know that he is playing competitive. He's just drafted. Correct. So what is kind of, what was your reaction as a father, first of all, for him to be able to, he has a real chance now playing pro hockey. And what did you do as a father before to really get him prepared as, as a man? Cause we know it takes a lot of maturity to handle this type of stuff. So what did, what, what kind of happened in between that? Man, I just guided him from experience. I mean, he's, he's hung around. He's been at the rink since he was five years old, but he was five years old when we bought the team. You know, he was a rink rat, you know, running in and out of the dressroom and hanging, hanging out there. You know, he'd skate with kids. You know, he was on the ice with Tavares and Sorelli and all these guys. And so he grew up in, in that environment. And so it was an eight for him. Uh, but he works extremely hard on and off the ice and he's a competitor and, and, you know, his work ethic is second to none. Uh, I'm, you know, so, and, and that shows up on his play and, you know, and that's, you know, Edmonton got a good one, but he's got a great hockey brain. So, you know, being around it all the time, you know, I, I try to help him and, and when he was younger and showing him different things and, you know, we had him, you know, we invested time with his skills and all that, but we had people showing him, know video and different things and his absorbed it like a sponge and you know all those things obviously paid off at the end of the day and uh, now he's got you know a great opportunity and uh, he's working hard and uh, I there's no doubt in my mind that you know he's going to get to the NHL and uh, you know the way he's continuing to progress and work so it's fun it's it's been a it's been a great journey following him to this awesome. stage. and did he ever get to play on the Oshawa Generals, I didn't get to look up his stats yet, but did he? Have yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He played. He played three years. He was our captain this year. Uh, led our team in points and goals and assists and or points and 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 goals and uh, you know scored some huge, huge goals for us uh, throughout the year. Um, they're all online and all that kind of stuff. So it was a, uh, it was great. It was uh, like I said, this year was probably the most fun watching because he was so dominant out there and. It was great. You know, like I said, he's progressively gotten bigger, stronger, faster, and his game has continued to evolve every single year. Um, he's exponentially, you know, gotten better. So it was, uh, you yeah, know, it, it was fun. No, he's had a lot of success. He played for us for three years and uh, he's done now. Edmonton's, uh, um, you know, is either, either he's going to play on the big squad or he's going to play uh, in the American League. Did you ever have to, I, I just got to ask this, did you ever have to deal with any bullshit because you had your son on the team? Was there ever anything like that? Or was it kind of like, hey, he's yeah, really. You know what? I didn't get, a, I didn't have a lot of resentment. Usually I know I talked to Warren Reich because he dropped, you know, he had Kirby too. And he dealt with a lot of stuff. We didn't have a lot. I mean, but, but I didn't give Ty anything he didn't deserve. You know, like when he got drafted, he was, he was highly touted. He was rated in the first round by central scouting. We told him wherever he was rated, we would take him. Um, he had a full ride scholarship to Michigan state. He had a full ride scholarship to university of Michigan. Um, numerous teams in our league interviewed him. And the week before the draft, he decided that, yeah, that I want to come to Oshawa. So we took him, I think with the 11th pick overall. And, um, you know, he made second team, all rookie team. Um, you know, he had 44 points, which is pretty good for a rookie. And we didn't give him everything. Like he, he was on our third line. He played, 30 seconds on the second unit power play, you know? So again, you know, he earned everything he got. And, uh, and then the next year, you know what, he played with Tomasino and worked hard and got progressively better. And, 
And then, of course, we had a, you know, the season was over before the playoffs started, but, you know, he was supposed to go, you know, made the, you know, was on the U-17 Team Canada team, you know, was invited to play in the U-18 uh, summer thing there in, in Plymouth after our season was going to come to an end. So, again, there's, you know, he's earned everything on his own. And I think people realize and recognize that, you know, people that know hockey recognize we didn't give him anything. He earned everything he got. And, uh, you know, and obviously him getting drafted to the NHL, you know, was – was was proof that at the end of the day he's you know he deserved everything he got. So Rock, I know that we're uh, running out of time, and we I appreciate you coming on here and talking hockey with me uh, uh, today. But one more question I did kind of want to ask, and uh, I know it's it's a bit broad, but what are what are Rocco's plans in the future? Have you thought about are you going to stay with the team for as long as possible? I know you're still with Rock Developments. Um, what do you, do you have an idea of maybe what you want to do in the future? Is it kind of like we're going year by year right now? Yeah. I mean, obviously we, we want to continue pushing the envelope and trying to win more championships in Oshawa. And I think we're going to do that soon. And, um, but I've got no intentions. I bought this team, you know, 16 years ago, I'm going to continue it. I, I'd like to keep it as a generational asset. Um, I'm looking now to get it, you know, buy into an NHL team. If, if there's some, you know, uh, with some of my friends, if that, come to fruition that would be perfect right so that's kind of my my own goal but uh no we're going to continue pushing the envelope in oshawa to make sure we continue to be an iconic brand and uh continue pushing for championships awesome well rocco again i can't appreciate you enough for coming on the show i know my dad's very bummed he had tons of ownership questions so maybe next time when you're not busy we can have you back on no and those questions so no problem i appreciate having me and thanks for reaching out yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure you didn't expect us to message you, but I, I noticed who you were and I was like, oh, I'm going to no reach out. To you. I always wanted I'm glad to you did. So no, I'm glad you did. Anytime I can get back to hockey, it's uh, it's a pleasure and I appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate All you. All the best. See ya.